Hello. Hey, Bob, this is Anthony. How you doing? Hi, I'm okay. And uh, you're also on the phone with Lucas, who's the other uh, co-host of the podcast. Hey, Bob. Can you hear us all right? Um, yeah. Oh, good. Right on. All right. That, that's, that's, the biggest, that's the biggest hurdle we've already got over. Yeah, so that's, that's the most important thing. <laughs> so. Yeah, I am, <laughs> I am hard of hearing. I am 85, so... Uh, <laughs> 85 years young. Clearly, I will try to do the same. Well, we've been out a-fishing for six weeks and more Then sailing and sighting the North Truro shore So shave off your whiskers and scrape off your scales And bait up your hooks for them Provincetown gals Hey everyone, welcome back to Bear Tone Podcast. My name is Lucas and I'm one of the producers of this show. Today on the show we have an interview with Bob Gebeline. In 1974, Bob released an album called Uncle Bobby's Record, and this fall, Old Bear is reissuing this project on all digital platforms. Bob is a really intelligent and uh, kind guy, and you know it was really fun just listening to him talk about uh, life, the world, and um, you know these songs that he wrote like 50 years ago. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this interview with Bob Geveline, and thank you for listening. With my bills full of whiskey, my sheets were all slack. My lee reel washed with my mainsail of back. Yeah, a couple things about me. First of all, my whole life is interesting. Um, I call myself a major philosopher. Uh, I've just fallen in love at age 85. I've got a great love story. I have to protect the privacy of the other party. So I can't give out any names or particulars. But, hey, my life is interesting. The other thing is uh, I have I have a hard time uh, communicating in real time because sometimes the words don't come to me uh, quickly enough as a result of my old age. So, anyway, I'm here. That's, that's great. Well, no, that's that's awesome. And it, I mean, that already is really intriguing. Of course, we're not going to try to get the details, but yeah, we won't we won't pry or anything. <laughs> <laughs> OK, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about growing up in, in mass. OK, well, um, uh, we were rich people by the standards of a small manufacturing city. And uh, we uh, actually my uh, uh Parents first lived in a suburb of New Bedford, where the near the New Bedford Yacht Club, which was socially a very nice place to live. And my father commuted 14 miles to Taunton every day until his collision with the chicken truck, where my mother insisted, no, we're going to have to move to Taunton. So that's where we were. And... Um, so that's where I kind of got my speaking accent, which I had to modify a little bit when I got to uh, Milton Academy and Harvard. Uh, All right. So you went to you went to university at Harvard. Yes, I did. Wow, that's impressive. I graduated from Harvard, and uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's impressive. Yes, yes, uh, but. This, my songs did not come out of Harvard. I turned my back on Harvard okay. in 1955 before I even graduated because the culture uh, was threatening to uh, make humankind extinct 
by uh, nuclear annihilation, and and I said, um, you know, the, this culture. I mean, it's uh, what are the words now? See, I'm having trouble with words. Proof of total systems failure. The system had failed. The technology is wonderful. The philosophy behind it sucks. Okay. <laughs> and I turned my back on that. And and uh, now, as rich people, we had a summer place in Provincetown, which was not just a gay community in those days. It was a summer place. And, uh, and I went there uh, in... Uh, uh, 1964 to uh, to write my philosophy and, and actually built a philosophy walking the sand dunes uh, and I've written three books now based on that philosophy the first one was re-educating myself which I mean I got the best education money could buy and I just turned around and redid that whole thing hmm. um, so and anyway, how did you, that, how, did, I, how did how did you do that? What were, yeah, let me let me explain. Okay, first I uh, first step psychotherapy, which is very important to my music because uh, I didn't think I was creative until I went through psychotherapy, and suddenly I realized I'm creative. And the song started out as really just an exercise in creativity. Hmm. Um, yeah. So anyway, psychotherapy. And then withdrawal from the culture, where I went to Provincetown and walked the dunes, lived there summer and winter for for three years. Uh, and in that process, the third step in breaking away from the culture was dream analysis. The winter of 1966 and 67, where I made my major discoveries, uh, first discovery being that the... Uh, uh, the psychologically, the the, the uh, uh, median psychological age of the culture is like ten years old, and if we all could become adults psychologically, we would have a whole new civilization. Second major discovery uh, was that um, in analyzing my dreams, okay. If my analysis of a dream, if my interpretation is wrong, I discover that the dreams themselves would correct me. Now, many, many dream workers have already discovered that. I don't know why it isn't written in many, many books, but it isn't. Um, Carl Jung mentioned it in 1931, and, and I mentioned it in Reeducating Myself, which is my first book. Okay, and and my third discovery... Uh, Oh, yeah. My third discovery was reaching the psychological age of puberty, where I discovered that human nature itself changed from the uh, what we have now, competitive self-interest. Human nature changed to into altruism and compassion for one's human being. And, and again, if a majority of people did that, we would have a new civilization. As soon as she smiles, you've known her for a long, long time. You hold her hand and she's not a stranger. 
she makes you feel you've held her many times before touch my lips my fingertips I'll leave you in a while touch my soul I'll stay till I die a moment ago when I was a stranger so I I was doing this is Anthony and I was doing um, you know, obviously doing a little reading about your backstory, and I thought I had, I, I, I wanted to share something with you that I think is kind of interesting. Um, when I graduated from high school, uh, a friend of mine, he had a, he had a cabin, his, his family had a cabin way up in uh, northern Canada, and so we, we drove up there and decided for three months that we were going to just live at his parents' cabin. And just because, I, I mean, I just didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And so we kind of, we, we, we packed a van full of musical instruments and a way to record and and uh, just decided to sort of try to figure some things out, you know, our own way, which was to just get away from everything. And I went to a, uh, the day before I left, I went to a Salvation Army, a thrift store, and I picked up a book that I didn't real I didn't realize the subject matter, but it was it was Walden by um, Henry David Thoreau. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And, yeah, and so I I I get up to this cabin and I pull out the book because I thought the cover looked interesting. That's the only reason why I picked it up in the beginning, and uh, no prior knowledge. And I start reading this thing, and you know it, it was a cabin where it actually had an outhouse, and so there was no indoor plumbing, and so there were many. Uh, days where I would go out to the outhouse to use it and I'd grab the book, you know, and I started walking out there and, and I, you know, quickly realized that that whole book was about uh, getting away from civilization and rediscovering, you know, just kind of living off the grid, you know, just to 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 uh, desensitize or, you know, just get away from all of it. And uh, I thought that was a really, I started reading this book and I'm thinking, man, what kind of world do I live in where it must have been what the you know what I was supposed to pick up that day uh, to accompany my journey uh, and I thought that was interesting yesterday just kind of doing some research um, obviously you know that was a book that or you know uh, Henry David Thoreau was a as, was an influence for you too correct oh absolutely he was my my first major influence in my life hmm. And um, what else was I going to say about this? Uh, getting away, yeah, the withdrawal. Oh, yeah, that's right. My second book called The Mental Environment. Uh, mental Environment. We are immersed in a sea of other people's thoughts, hmm. starting with our parents and our schools and our religion and the propaganda we get. Um, and absolutely, getting away from all this is is very important because a lot of it is lies. Hmm. Maybe just share a little bit of what went into Uncle Bobby's record. And I know it. I know you released it in 1974. Um, but right. uh, maybe what 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 are some things that went into the making of this project that would be interesting? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Every song was inspired. I. Uh, 
I had a thought. I mean, I wanted to express philosophical thoughts, mm-hmm. and I, of course, in the age of Bob Dylan, and saying, "Oh, he gets his thoughts across by putting them in his songs and singing yeah. them." So yeah. I'd like to be able to do that, and actually, uh, I didn't really do that. I was trying to figure out what of my philosophy is in my song. No, it's better expressed in my books. The the songs were more things that moved me emotionally. Uh for example, John Kennedy yeah. uh was one of my two boyhood idols along with Ted Williams and he came to Milton Academy to speak on politics as a career when Ted was a senior and I was fifteen and I was very, very much impressed and he said a good uh, what a good, honest man can beat a good crook any day. Well, I mean, they shot him down in Dallas, so he was yeah. proved wrong. But anyway, I mean, he was a great man, and, and I think actually the assassination helped to dramatize to the whole country what a great man he was. So when he died, I, I was actually numb. I mean, it was like I heard it on the radio. It's like I heard some radio program, you know. Okay, I turned it off. And uh, so my clock radio, I was in California. It was time to go to work. It was 11 o'clock in the morning, and, and uh, I never got to work in time. Uh, anyway, but um, so that uh, his his death impressed me a great deal. It took me three years to bring my thoughts together to to compose that song. Uh, the music is a little bit bizarre. Uh, some <laughs> people don't like it. I like it. It's clever. It goes way, way off into like from C to F sharp and then bang, back again. Yeah. And uh, you yeah. don't notice that you've gone off into this absolutely... <laughs> <laughs> I'm having trouble with the word uh, incompatible key. Yeah. Anyway, any, anyway, and and the weakest little man shot the greatest in the land and proved all men are equal. Um, that lesson is uh, something to think about, uh, but uh, stirred by my emotion and you know my my love of this man and, and my horror when he was shot. For a giant of a hero who tamed the Russian bear, the lesson of his life is unreal. The weakest little man shot the greatest in the land and proved all men are equal. him while alive for greatness unselfishly shared as we see the brightest light only shining through the eyes of the blackest face of evil the dark days upon us cast a shadow on the land the last 40 years of our day His flickering flame will burn Much brighter through the years 
So, uh, Humor. so in the song "In Search of Something," um, you talk about four notes, uh, B, C, A, and G, uh, yeah. being part of that. That so maybe just talk a little bit about you know what that song means. Da 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 da. I'm not doing it. <laughs> doing it well. It's okay. Um, I, I said I haven't been singing. I've got. Really haven't played the guitar or sung very much in the last five years, just old age and, and mm-hmm. doing the same songs over and over again. I get tired of it. But yeah, in search of something, uh, well, as you know, my, as I've already said, my life has been in search of something. I'm searching for answers. And, and this has been the story of my life. Um, and, um, and the random stars lead to my destiny. I don't know. You know, there's no experts who know the answer here. I'm I'm going out in uncharted territory here, and I'm looking for answers. And I did find answers, and you can find them in my three books. Mm-hmm. They're all stated over and over and over again. And, and uh, the academic community oh i can't get into their in-group thinking and and why it's not accepted but a few people have accepted it and understand it um it's i'm searching i was starting off from sunnyvale california mm-hmm. was it my first day or my second day anyway driving through the red i went north to vancouver and turned right and get across the trans canada highway uh that's the Route I had chosen as I went through the redwood forest, those four notes came to me. Da 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 da. And it just that was 1964, and I kind of built it into a song. By by 1966, I was I think I was singing that song. Um, and uh, there was a town all nestled by the sea. Well, hey. Yeah, uh, that's the woman who's reconnected with me after all these years. Okay, cool. And, uh, that's awesome. This, this is a great love song, and I can't tell it because of her privacy right now. Sure. Yeah. Um, no, great. That's anyway. Great. Anyway, so, yes. This, this is my just my search. I'm in search of something. of 
the manufacturer of the record. I don't know whether I should get it. It was sort of a horror story that a low bidder was was um, Southern Plastics in Nashville, um, and um, they went bankrupt. In the middle uh, of your in the middle of your project, like in the middle of printing it. In the middle, I mean, after wanting the total amount of money up front, they oh. went bankrupt and did not deliver a record. Wow. Okay, Allentown Records, as a, as another company, they were the second lowest bidder, um, and I wanted to get that master tape and, and send it to Allentown Records, but uh, the son went there and and Jimmy said, no, no, no. He was delirious. No, don't give Bob the master tape. And so he called me, and I said, no, no, Jim, I'm sure, you know, like, he must have been delirious. Sure enough, the next day, he said, well, of course give Bob the master tape. And so anyway, we got the master tape to Allentown Records. We got, uh, meanwhile, Jim, uh, I don't know, he knew a lawyer in Nashville. He managed to get Finally, Southern Plastics delivered <coughs> their 500 records. Uh, half the records had bad plastic. So um, anyway, I ended up with maybe 750 records when I only wanted 500 to begin with. And like I say, I only sold two. I gave away a lot of copies. I sent one to Ted Kennedy, and uh, he sent me a nice letter in return. Mm. And finally, in 1992, I lived in an apartment house with a dumpster. I just threw 275 copies of the record into the dumpster. Wow. Uh, leaving me, I thought it was 100, but there was another box. And my sister had some. So maybe I had 150 left. Oh, uh, I mean, I, I sold one to a record to a guy in Scotland. He said, oh, this is great, because I've been listening to like a copy of a copy. I mean, people were copying my music all mm. over the world. Isn't that cool? And, That's cool. And, and this is cool. And yeah, I don't want the royalties. I mean, I've done the same to other folk musicians. I've got, uh, I don't know, a hundred tapes of uh, music I've copied off the radio, and okay, uh-huh. uh, this is the way, I mean, at least they're listening to it, you know? Sure, yeah, sure. And I'm not becoming a rock star. So anyway, um, I guess the music has kind of like a grassroots movement or something. It's gotten out all, all over the world. People love this music, and, and they were, and they contacted me. Like on the internet, and mostly finding me on Facebook, I guess. Um, you know, and looking for Bob Gebeline, I'm there, and you mm. can find me. Uh, yeah. I'm not all that good at, at Facebook. One guy, I did uh, get a message. Uh, one guy was interested in my record in 2010, and I didn't even see the message until last year, because <laughs> uh, I'm. Kind of, I was a computer programmer for 20 years, but when I retired, I turned my back on that too. And I don't, you know, I see people with all these devices, and, and okay, that's fine. But um, anyway, I'm 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 lost on Facebook, and and I don't know anything about devices. Anyway, my record uh, suddenly in the early century here, uh, I very quickly. 
got rid of all but a few. I have a few. So long, baby. I'm gonna miss you, but for you get me married up, I'm running down the road. I'll remember the love you gave me, but I'll be dead when I settle down, running down the road. I'll feel blue and I'll feel gray, but I'll feel free when I see the light of day. Good things, baby, have to end sometime, and it's better gone than never been running down the road. You may hate me and call me cruel, cause I took away what you never had running down the road. I'm a wild thing, you tame me, you lose me Cause I waste away and wish I was running down the road I think the cool thing about the music listener uh, right now in this day and age is story is so important to all of it. And so in an age where it feels like the, you know, songs are just kind of storyless, there's there's not a whole lot to them it seems like at least at least at face value when you're just listening to them you're just like it doesn't it feels it feels void of story and so the the idea about some of these songs to me at least to all of these songs they carry some weight in the in the idea that there is story behind them and that's what's i think the most um intriguing the story thing. is the, the the story is real Every one of these songs is me. It's the emotional side of me. Whether it's dealing with John F. Kennedy or girlfriends or whatever, it's it, this is real. These are my real feelings that I wanted to sing. Yeah. And and fortunately, I you know uh, the, the the music's pretty good. The words, well, maybe, um, but um, it's real. You know. One life to lose Living the civilized blues Foolish to run Crazy to hide Fat, rich and happy But hungry inside One life to lose Living a civilized blues Talk to me someone Please keep it light Cause if it's important It's too big to fight go on and make any other music after this uh i've written uh my latest song was written for my grandniece uh, <laughs> it's about me uh and uh my bobby has sunshine in his soul which she said one, one point
point and when she was three and a half and I said oh wow that's a song yeah um that was like five years ago whatever it was six and a half she's now ten anyway um but yes I've written another fisherman's song the uh, two two fishing boats sunk 1976 and 78 uh, <clears throat> with um, 11 men lost their lives. I mean, in this day and age of, you know, radar and radio and all, it's just amazing that men lose their lives. Uh, but uh, this happened in Provincetown and, and, uh, and I had to write a song about that, 1981. I performed it at Provincetown Town Hall Portuguese Night. I was introduced as a non-Portuguese, which <laughs> always amused me, but <laughs> the crowd settled down when they realized the song. that Everybody in the room knew at least one of the men who had died. Hmm. And I heard that somebody actually had to, had to leave the room. Because she, you know, it was upsetting to her. But uh, anyway, the, the fisherman's song in 1981, and the song from my grandniece, which was like six years ago. So, come on with me, girl. Come on and start living as you ought to be, away from your backwards world. Where shadows rule and people are in misery They go out to get in Everything they love is sin And their idea of fun Is to drink until they're numb Like they're dead Well, thank you. We appreciate you taking the time. And of course, uh, you know, to our listeners, be on the lookout. We are uh, scheduling a release time for this uh, project to be uh, to be uh, to be manufactured and sent out. And so we're really excited and um, incredibly humbled, uh, Bob, that you would allow us the opportunity to partner with you to hopefully bring more listeners to uh, this project that um, was recorded in 1974. And so we are uh, thankful for your time, my friend, and we appreciate it. Hopefully we can talk again soon. Absolutely, absolutely. Many thanks to you, too. And, uh, many thanks for my success and your success here. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. Okay. Or how to mend the damage Cause I don't think you're away And I don't speak your language But just forget Thanks for checking out this episode of Baritone. Uncle Bobby's record will be released digitally on all major platforms on October 18th. We'd love to know what you think of the show and hear your feedback. You can email us at baritonepodcast at gmail.com. Our show is hosted by Anthony Hoisington and myself, Lucas Iverson. 
thank you to Sarah Bridgman for creating the show's artwork, and big thanks to Bob for sitting down and chatting with us. Our next episode is with Daniel from the band Soul Food 76, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Thanks again for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. It rules the world, not presidents and popes, with false promises and hopes, stand naked in the night, stand face to face with fright, strange thoughts run.